When the storm raged about them, the disciples were afraid. For the waves were high and the ship was tossed, they could not find their way. Then they awoke the Master, saying, Lord, please save us now. He rebuked the wind and the sea grew calm, and they all wondered how. God sees the storm from the other side. He knows the lessons learned, and just beyond the clouds he sees clear skies. He speaks peace to the raging storm when peace could not be found. Like the man on the sea did, I have called on God in prayer. When it seemed to me all hope was gone, and in my deep despair, I remembered what the Lord said when he called that troubled sea. And I know once more how he sees the storm. We are a Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. The foundation of Gospel Baptist Church is the, the Bible. We believe the best Bible to read in the English language is the King James Bible. It's 400-plus years old, time-tested, a group of men that put it together, never have been assembled like it before, since. There's never been that many brains in one spot since that helped in the, in the, in the uh, defining and translating and uh, putting together, which we believe really God himself preserves his word. The devil, his goal is to destroy the Bible, discredit the Bible, uh, some, some sort of way make it where its words are not read. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, okay, so, now understanding those are Jesus' words. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and you're the devil, what are you going to try to do? You're going after the Word of God. You're going to go after it. Because if you can discredit the words by which people get saved by, then you stop the, the uh, purpose of the Son of God coming, which was to save the world. He shall, he shall uh, uh, save His people from their sins. He, he, he came here to love the world and, and, and tell the world there's hope beyond the getting up and going to bed and working and seeing the violence and the wickedness you see around you, and all of us see it. There's more than this. If you're, if you're in your heart have said there's got to be something better than this, you were right about that. Uh, in some way, God was helping you see that. There is something better than this. And, and intuitively, God has placed in the heart of every man and woman uh, the knowledge of something more after this life. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about anywhere in the world now. I'm talking about Hindus. I'm talking about uh, 
of Muslims. I'm talking about Shiite. I mean, you name any. What are there so many religions for? They're because in the heart of man, there is a, a an understanding, and it's intuitive, that there's something past this world. There's something called the afterlife, called eternity. There's something past this place. And intuitively, they know, because who knows you better than you? They know that they're not ready to meet the God that created them. They know that there's something between, there's something wrong between them and their God. It's just intuitive. That's why there's so many pyramids, uh, even going back to the Incas and Aztecs and, and Arawaks and all these. Why do there there's just there's places where those people were were possessed with trying to figure out how to appease the God that they didn't know was invisible to them. They're trying to appease that God. Well, man in his best efforts could not appease the Father for the sin committed. Only It, it came down to the only one that could do it was Jesus Christ, his Son. He said, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. And where we get all that information is from where? The Bible. Without the Bible, you don't even have any of this information. You don't have the information that Jesus came. You don't have the information who he was. You don't have the information why he came, what he did when he came, uh, what it accomplished. You have no information of how to reach the Father without the Bible. So the importance of the Word of God cannot be overstated and cannot be overestimated. Now, in, in December, I focus a little bit on the Word of God because I'm getting ready to ask you, to sign up on a list that you will commit by the grace of God. You know, you'll commit to read the Bible through next year, 2017, from cover to cover. That's big. That's a big commitment. I've had many people through the years say, I've never done it. And had you not, have you not just kept after me, I probably would have never done it. But they got it to the end of it. Like, this is the time of year I start hearing that. And they'll say, preacher, I did it. I know exactly what they're talking about. You read the Bible through. I did it. I've never done it. I've done it. And you that have done it, you did it again. And you read it through again. But now, if you didn't read it, I can tell you why you didn't read it. Because the devil himself and the forces of darkness are trying everything they know, though they've lived, they've lived a long time, thousands and thousands of years, they're taking all the cumulative wisdom that they have accomplished and trying to stop you from reading the Bible. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's not complicated. It's simple. But trust me when I tell you this, when you decide to read the Bible through next year, and you put your name up on that board, you're going to find out you have some resistance. Then the resistance you have is only because the devil believes it's possible to stop you. Now get this if you don't get anything else. I'm your enemy, let's say. And I know that to get to you is just impossible. I'm going to leave you, Nick, and I'm going to go to Adam. His armor's not nearly as strong, so I'm going to go to Adam. I'm going to go to the weakest person I can find to try to get through. If, if you've already shorn, if, if I heard you, Adam, in prayer saying, God, I drive a stake down. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to do anything. If I don't read the Bible through next year, I'm going to read the Bible through no matter what. If I hear you say that, I think, well, there's no, and I'm the devil and the demons. I'm saying there's no chance to get him. Let's go on. Let's go on to Gillespie. Well, then I heard Gillespie, we, we listened in his, and we listened to his, what he's talking about. And he said, man, I'm driving a stake down this year. 
I may not, I may not live through the year, but I'm going to read the Bible through. I, let's not go to this, but let's go to Jayla. Well, if you've heard Jayla's devotions over there, just give it up. She's not, she's going to read it through. So I go to Mama. I work on Mama. I may, let's make her sick a little bit so she's too sick to read it. Or whatever the case, because I know that your source of strength, your source of faith to be saved and to live the Christian life comes out of the Word of God. You say, well, I go to church and hear preaching. That's wonderful, but that's not enough. I hear, I hear this, I hear that. That's wonderful, but that's not enough. There's nothing that replaces you either reading or listening to, by the way. Some of you can't read well. You can listen to the Word of God through Alexander Scorby and others. Now let me read. That was a little introduction. Isaiah 45, 5-7. The title of the message is, Do You Really Believe It? I'm going to try to challenge you. Now, you're in the, uh, the chamber of your own imagery. That's, that's your mind. Nobody's in there. Nobody can get in your mind. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, you've you got your own the chamber of your imagery. That's, that's your own place where you dwell. That's your real private place. I'm going to try to at least knock on the door of that this, this morning and challenge you in the most private place of your mind. You're not going to tell me. You're not going to indicate yes or no. But by the grace of God, hopefully you'll make a decision this morning that will change your direction and outcome. Isaiah, I love it, Isaiah 45 says, I am the Lord, and there is what? None else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. And when he said, basically, I've made you, I've put you together that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. You may want to underline those three words. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Now look at that one passage. One, two, three times, in honor of the Holy Trinity maybe, that uh, you have there's no other God but me. Now Isaiah 45, 9, uh, we don't, not 9, let's go to 45, 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I even, I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all, how many? All their hosts have I commanded as far as the Hubble telescope reaches and further. In verse 22 of that chapter, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I don't think God repeats himself for nothing. I think when he repeats himself, it's because we're hard-headed, and that's an area you're going to be attacked on. This is an area that you're attacked on, and will be attacked on. And let me, I'm going to try to hopefully, by the grace of God, in a few minutes, explain a little bit of this and where it's coming from. Twelve times in the Bible, God declares there's no other God but me. Now, he says it differently, but the word none else, that, that phrase specifically occurs 12 times in the Bible. Eight times the phrase God created is found in the Bible. Two times the, word, the words created all things. How many things? All things is in the Bible. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all 
How many? All things, and for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. So if I can safely say from the little short study we've just had, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, the Bible says unanimously, conclusively, over and over again, God created everything. Okay? Why don't more people believe that? You understand not to believe evolution in the group of people that we live around, not to believe evolution is to be a nincompoop. We haven't heard that in a while, have you? Nincompoop. I don't know where it came from. It's not in my notes. I couldn't spell it. It's similar to supercatrifragilistic expialidocious. It's the same thing. It's, if you have a phone with your phone, just tell, hey, Siri, spell supercalifragilistic expialidocious. She does. She spells it perfectly. It's unbelievable. Well, the Bible says that God created all things. The question I'm asking you this morning, do you believe it? Do you really in the imagery, the chamber of your imagery, in your innermost being, where nobody sees but God, do you really accept these words that I have read and, and, and talked to you about? Do you accept that? And so many other places, we don't have time, but the Bible clearly states God created everything. And it even goes as far as saying Colossians, visible and invisible. It said God created the invisible. There's a lot of invisible things. Electricity is relatively invisible. Light's invisible until it reflects against something. Uh, there's a lot of invisible things. Uh, air seems to be invisible, but we believe it's there. I mean, you believe there's air in this room? I, uh, you know, there's a lots of invisible things, but there's spiritual areas that are invisible too, right? And so he says, I created everything visible and invisible. There's nothing out there that my hand did not make, plan on, drew out, and implemented, and made. I made it. Nothing in the Bible is attacked any harder than the literal miracles that are claimed in the Bible, starting with the act of creation. Creation is the biggest of the big miracles. It's big. Creation. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Now, my wife and I, when we took a little trip, went to what they called the Ark Encounter, I think it's called. The Ark Encounter. They built a full-scale size of Noah's Ark out of wood up somewhere in Kentucky and just south of Louisville, off I-75 there. And you will go. It is worth going. It's worth the 40 bucks. Get there early because there will be a lot of people. And I'm telling you to walk in there, read about the ark my whole life, knew the sizes of it, preached on it, taught on it, so it meant something to me when I went in there and realized how much effort, how much work. But you know there's only one door in and out of the ark. And there's only one door in and out of heaven. There's only one. Do you believe in creation? Do you believe in Jonah, that a great fish swallowed him? Do you believe Noah and the ark? Do you believe the Tower of Babel was an actual event where God created the various languages and confused the people so they'd quit building the uh, tower. Nothing separates people greater or more clearly than language. I guarantee you, I get around a bunch of people speaking Spanish, and I feel just alone. I feel lost. I feel what's going on after I say my five or six words that I know. 
Do you believe the miracles of Egypt under Moses? Do you believe Joshua and Jericho's walls actually fell? Uh, do you believe that Elijah and Elisha, and Elisha, I believe Elijah had eight miracles, and I believe Elisha asked for a double portion. He had 16 miracles. Do you believe in Daniel that actually was placed in a lion's den, uh, and, and the lions did not harm him, and they took him out? Do you believe the Hebrew boys, when they refused to worship that great golden image of Nebuchadnezzar, that he actually heated the furnace uh, seven times and threw him in there, and they walked around in the fire with one that was likened under the Son of God, and that they actually walked out, and they didn't even have the smell of smoke upon them. Do you believe it? Do you believe the healing that Jesus did to the people when he, and it's recorded in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, do you believe the raising of the dead by Jesus? Do you believe that the apostles, after in the book of Acts, also went on with some healing ministry? You, uh, these are, and other questions of various, uh, are questioned. These, these you know are questioned in various degrees by skeptical folks. Do you really believe the Bible's accounts of just these miracles as recorded? You say, Brother Bill, what's the point? What, what are you, where are you going? Well, let me tell you, your belief develops your worldview. And your worldview develops your actions. If you want to know where actions come from, you've got to get back down to where the belief system is. What's your belief system? If you believe the human life is no big deal, that you're made from a wild uh, an amoeba that got loose, and, and turned, got some legs and swam around for a while, hit the shore and got some, you know, got some legs, walked around. I mean, if, if you believe that, that your life's no bigger deal, and you believe that when you die, you cease to exist, your conscience ceases as it was before you were born, and so it's really not, you're not doing that much harm to somebody when you kill them, then you will be much more prone to go kill people. Columbine has happened and others like it are happening because we've diminished the biblical value of life. And it makes sense. These young people that are doing this are just acting out of logic. They're not illogical to themselves. Their logic's perfect. What am I doing but snuffing out some miserable, you're going to have a miserable existence anyway, so I'll just snuff you out. It won't make any difference because you're end up going to be like you were before you were born, which was non-existent. What difference does it make? No value in life. But is that the testimony of the Bible? The Bible says God created you. That means God thought about you. That means God made you, and, and, just one, and he made you in his image, which one of the characteristics of his image is he is, he is never going to cease to exist, and neither are you. You, have, you are, not have, you are an eternal, never-dying soul. You're going to live somewhere in conscious existence forever. That's what the Bible teaches, if you believe the Bible. But now, if you go to the Bible and say, these things really, preacher, you know, they've passed down over a long period of time with a lot of people, and you know, there really nothing can hold this integrity. And you begin to doubt these things are true, as literally true, it's going to change your worldview, which is going to change your actions. What's happening in our colleges and universities? After Trump got elected, were you not a little surprised at how the millennials, us in the 20-somethings, go out on the street and cry? And, 
I watched a little bit of YouTube on that. I couldn't help myself. And, and they were like, the war of my world's over. Life is over. We're going back to hating each other. It's awful. Oh, oh, oh. How'd I do? I'm like, get a job. Well, here's what's going on. If in a book written, partially written in a, in a partnership with Josh McDowell and many other people, he wrote a book, uh, Beyond Belief to Conviction. Uh, now, in, as in any book, I don't always sanction everything in a book, but there are some good things in this book. One of them is Josh has spent his whole life going to colleges and universities and, and taking on their faculty and staff, similar to Grady McMurtry and what he does, and telling them that the Bible is credible. It's a book you can lay your life on. It's, it's the most, if, if the Bible's not true, nothing else you got in the university is true. Because nothing has the credibility of this book. Every way you can count credibility, archaeologically, and, 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 and uh, the, 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 the uh, amount of supporting materials through the many centuries, there's no book out there, any subject that's got any more credibility than this book right here. God made that happen. And so what's happening? Well, philosophy in, in college called postmodernism is being taught. The definition of postmodernism is loosely, at least loosely, is absolute truth. There is nothing to it. Truth has become truth by its acceptance culturally by a group of people. Let this sink in a little bit. Truth is only truth because a group of people have said it's truth culturally. In other words, relativism has come to root, and it's bred agnosticism, where there's no absolute truth, especially concerning, especially concerning social issues, uh, and, they, and, and no truth can be absolutely taught as fact. Listen to the professor. Here's a quote from a professor in a university. He said, multicultural education is inclusive. A lot of people are on the margins of society because of their race, their class, their gender, their sexual orientation. Multicultural education is about bringing them to the center and making one nation of many people. You've heard this. Uh, to do what we must, we must validate each other's experience. That's on page 47, by the way, of that book. The professor goes on to say, we at this university legitimize each individual's experience and will not tolerate anything else. We are a community here, and everyone is treated equally. All persons, beliefs, truth claims, and lifestyles are of their own choosing and they are all equal to one another. Your religious beliefs, for example, are not better or more right than, in, than someone else's. They are just different. This is, um, this is a quote, and I'm going on to quote him. You must celebrate that difference and respect the other person for having his or her own beliefs. 
Sexual orientation is part of our diversity. This is a quote of his. And your responsibility as a citizen of this university community is to celebrate such diversity. So you, the homosexual, is choosing his lifestyle. You're not to criticize him, God forbid. You're to celebrate his diversity. Someone is a boy and gets uh, 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 surgically changed, and you can't change a boy to a girl. I don't care how much surgery you have. But nevertheless, they, 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 in fact, simile, they get changed to a girl, start wearing girls' clothes, taking estrogen, talking higher, like, like Michael Jackson or whatever. Now, you're supposed to take him and say, that's perfectly fine because you have, you have found your own truth. You have defined your own truth. So it's not me to criticize what you say is truth. You say this is truth for you. I'm not supposed to say a word against it. In fact, I'm supposed to celebrate the diversity. And you see where it's coming from? You see where, you see where almost one half of our nation voted? They want this world. They want the world, the college universities, for 30-some-odd years have been sowing in the minds of the young people that go to secular colleges. Why do you think Gospel Baptists is so against secular colleges? I mean, we, why? Because your kid is going to hear these things if they go to a secular school. They will hear them from more educated people than you, more than likely. Uh, they will hear them from more credible people than you. Okay, mom and dad, you've been telling them the Bible is the Word of God. King James Bible is reliable. You can use it. You can bet your eternal life. A preacher has been up here for 18 years. A kid sets up under that. He, he accepts it in some degree. He goes to a university. He gets among those college professors. Now, you don't have an earned PhD. You haven't taught 20 years, uh, maybe like that. And so the, the, the uh, chemistry teacher which with a chemistry degree, degree can woo them by his knowledge and he can tell them all the different chemicals and all the different bases and all the different and 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 then he says by the way you'd be an idiot to believe you were created come on this stuff had to be about and he gives his case for it he's credible and then you know uh, and in many cases they're older than you are as a parent so you send your kid up to there or the kid wants to go to a secular school and he gets this, but he don't get that just from the professor. He gets it from the guys in the dormitory. He gets it from the girls. He gets it from his peers. Now, you know this about teenagers, is they care more usually about what their peers say than what you say. They go to Facebook. They don't go to their old, the old people and say, what do you old people think about this? You aren't going to find, don't, don't wait, don't hold your breath for that. They go to the young people that are in their about same age group and they say, what do you think about this? Don't go to your own age group mask. Go to the people who've been around a while. You young girls having babies, go to these women, have five kids, have six kids, raise them all the time. They got, oh, they can help you. They can help you. You want to stay married for a whole lifetime, go to these women who've been married 40, 50, 60 years. Ask them how they did it. Look at their faces when you ask that question. So their peers or teachers, uh, but then the curriculum they have, all the curriculum in the second university, uh, that's, it's going to be, the, the earth was evolved, the evolution, you are not specifically created by any God, by any one God, you're devalued 
down to the down to a cow or down to a pig, and you have the same value as a cow, same value as a pig. And if you know, if you knife each other, shoot each other, rape each other, hurt each other, you know, really, what's the big deal? There's nothing, nothing in the future. There's no big God in the future going to cause you to answer for your actions. It's been going on for thirty plus years. It's no wonder they may not think that what you were telling them about the Bible was true. It's no wonder that they may question creation, wonder why. Now, there's nothing wrong with questioning creation. Go at it, and I'll get, I'm, I'm confident the more you study it. I mean, Graham Mercer is a smart guy. He believed in creation, literally, from the Bible. Right? Henry Morris is a smart guy. He believed in creation directly from the Bible. There's a whole group of Ph.D. scientists in every, every, almost every phase of science that believe with all their heart that God created the heavens and the earth just like the Bible says. Why? They've come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've accepted the words of the Bible as true. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I don't think you and I can take this book and pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. If, 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 if part of this book's not true, what part is true? If creation is allegorical, the first 11 chapters, liberals love to relegate the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis as allegory. Now, what allegory is, is a fancy word for meaning. It's just a story. It didn't really happen. Like Mary had a little lamb. I don't know if there was a Mary or there was a little lamb. I don't know if the three wolves and, and, the, and the pigs and all that other blow your house down. I, I was told from the beginning this is fiction. So when I'm told from the beginning something's fiction, then I take it for what it is. It's fiction, right? When I watch... If I watch something, you know, that, that somebody tells me fiction, I'm, I'm with it. But this is what the world's doing. They're saying, folks, there may be some truth in this book. But we don't know where it's at. And really, it's probably all fiction. But what we're telling you is true. That's what the professor's basically saying. What they're saying is our worldview, that there's no absolutes, there's nothing for certain, Whatever you want to believe is fine because there's no God anyway, and there's no judgment day, and there's no answering. But in your very heart, you know better than that. In the night, God comes to you and tells you better than that. The Bible says the firmament declareth his handiwork and glory. The things that are made here scream that there's a God, an intelligent creator that had to put this stuff together that has made laws. By the way, I like law. How about you? I wouldn't want to drive out on this old 41 here without some law. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to watch a basketball game without rules. I wouldn't want to watch a football game if there wasn't referees. I mean, would you really want to watch a just a knockdown drag out? Eventually, they'd be out there shooting each other and, and deflating the ball. I think each of us have to look at each, ourselves and say, do we really believe what the Bible says? I have a cousin raised by a godly, godly animal. And lately, I've been questioning him, do you believe the Bible? And he's not answering me back. I wonder why. He went to college. 
guy called me up, 26 years old, for here. I've told a story where he went up to uh, Florida State, Florida University, whatever. And he called me back about six months later and says, man, I'm struggling about evolution. I said, what are you struggling about? He says, well, it may be true. I said, it can't be true. If evolution is true, this is not true. See, you can't have both. You can't have both, folks. This book is what it says it is. It's true or it's nothing at all. Ignore it and go down your way. But the Holy Spirit of God testifies with your spirit that that is true. The first time you ever heard the gospel, there was a voice inside of your head going, that's true. That makes sense. That's right. That's because God, God isn't willing that any should perish. He wants you to be saved. It's beautiful to go to prison, Brother Ludwig, and to preach and know that God's taken your words into the minds of every one of those men saying, this is true. This is true. The Bible says of Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, the person of God, should be, uh, should be perfect and truly finished unto all good works. God's Word. In 1 Peter 1.23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So many places. Uh, I think in, the Bible says in Peter, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You believe it? See, I believe Genesis. I have no trouble believing God preserved his word. I believe that Noah was a real deal, and the ark was a real event and happened in a real way, just as literal as I'm standing here. So I got no problem believing that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that, that uh, Jonah was swallowed by a, a, a prepared fish of God and was kept in his belly for three days and spit up on shore and walked in and preached in him, and they all got right with God from the head down, and it was the greatest revival ever recorded. And that's why I believe Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I have no problem with that. Why? I believe. Jesus spoke to his disciples, and he said, Believest thou this? I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. And God will come to you and he'll help you. But tell me, trust, trust me when I tell you this. There is an all-out, no-holes-barred, cage-fight war against the book and what it teaches. And if you allow your children, and especially facilitate them, to go to an, to an agnostic, anti-God, postmodern, multicultural college where they're getting up there and feeding them that line of baloney day after day after day through the curriculum, through the professors, through the, through the peer pressure. No wonder they're going to come home and say, I don't know if I believe what I was taught. I don't know if that was really true or not. Was that really true? It'll shake anybody to expose yourself to that much evil. No wonder they come back and say, Maybe, maybe homosexuality is okay. The Bible says it's abomination to God. You say you're a hater. I'm not a hater except for this. The Bible says to love good, hate evil. So you say in some degree, I suppose we do hate. We hate evil. Why? Every bad thing that's happened in this world from day one to the last day is because of evil. Shouldn't I hate evil? 
Shouldn't you hate something that's destroyed and maimed and ruined people's lives and caused them in such pain and suffering? Man, you ought to have a loathing for it. The Bible says to skew evil. Hate it. Turn away from it, man. Stay away from evil. Man, if you get this correct in your mind, the Satan and sin is the cause of all the grief and trouble you see out there. You're going to develop a holy hatred for sin. And you're going to develop a love for the things that are true and right. Why? It's because of these things that peace comes, that love comes, that sweet spirit of kindness comes. The good things come. It's God's way. Take your Bibles, let's end on this passage in Romans chapter 1. Romans 1.19 says, Because that which was known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. It's talking about the world. Now, I'm not saying this on my own authority this morning. I've said lots of things, but they're not said on my authority. They're said on the Bible. They're said on the Bible's authority. I said, everybody born out there has some intuitive knowledge of God. In verse 19, it says, because they've known God, it's been manifest. They've, God has showed himself to them. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. There's that, cre there, there's that creation again. Are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power in Godhead, so that they are what? What? They're without excuse. What, what do you mean without excuse? Without excuse. There's nobody that's been raised up in this old world that's going to stand before God and say, I didn't know. He's going to say, are you kidding me? What did you think when you looked at the sky in a dark night? What did you think when you saw the sunset or a, sun, a sunrise? What did you think when you heard a mockingbird run his tune by you? What did you think when you saw the beauty of a of a parakeet and the varied colors or or the beauty of the flowers I placed all around you as you walked by them. What did you think of, of, of the smell after a rain? What did you think of, of the of the animals I made and all of the beauty that they have in them? And and all of this was was crying to you. There is a intelligent creator. Now, you don't know his name at that point, and you don't know who he is at that point, but anybody with any kind of brain would say, if there's an intelligent creator that made all this, yea, made me, I need to get to know him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift of eternal life is given to us because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's offered to you this morning, it's offered to me as a free gift. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if it's a gift, that means you can't earn it, you can't pay for it, because if you do, it's not a gift. You know, if I give you a brand new Kimber special edition, Brother Adam, don't insult me by offering me money. Right? Evidence he won't. Thank you. Jesus Christ offers us eternal life 
paid for. He offers us reconciliation with God the Father, paid for. He offers us a place in an eternal, an eternal place called heaven, which wherever God is, that's where heaven is. People say, where's heaven? Don't make any difference. Wherever God is, that's where it is. Because God is the essence of all beauty, the essence of all good, the essence of all right is where God is. He says, I get to be with him. Absent from the body, it says in Corinthians, be present with the Lord. I don't need to know where, amen. I just need to know it's going to be with God. And God is everything is beautiful and everything is good and everything is wholesome and everything to be desired is with God. And you'll never make it to him without going through his son, Jesus Christ. He sealed him as the only one that's the real Savior through the resurrection. But it takes one thing from you, faith. Will you believe? Will you believe? There was a time I heard the message of salvation. I was a very young man, five years old. You say, five-year-olds don't know anything. Are you kidding? I knew I stole. I knew I lied. I knew I blasphemed my brothers. <laughs> I knew that I had all kinds of sin on my plate. Already five years old. Already. And I heard the gospel message put out in flannel graph, and I said, I know I have sin, and I know I don't want to answer for it because I don't know how to answer for it. And I, and, and I know there's a place called hell. I believe there is, and I don't want to go there. And I want to be with God. Simple reasoning of a child. And I said, Lord Jesus, would you be my Savior? The Bible says Jesus even said, except you become as a little child. You'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that simple, uncomplicated, sincere faith. I cried out, and and I'm I'm uh, you know five. How smart are you? There's a whole lot of things you more than more you don't know than you know. Amen. I think I'm that way still. I said, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me. He did. He did. And grew me by faith. Confirmed it again at 12 years old. Confirmed it again at 18 years old. And day by day, and with each passing moment, he confirms it. Until the day I get to go be with him. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe? Father, help us that we would believe the simple truth that your son has come and died upon that old rugged cross, satisfied all the justice that was due, all the sin ever committed. So thou art a just God and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And there may be some here today without Christ you don't know. Listen, we're not talking religion. My religion's dime a dozen. There's hundreds of religions. What you got to get to is the truth. The Bible says the truth will make you free. Jesus said it. He's calling upon you now. He's asking you now. Will you believe? Will you believe? Just have enough belief to say, I believe that I'm a sinner unable to save myself by any amount of good works. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He did come 
sent by the Father, died upon that old rugged cross, was they literally died and was buried, and literally third day rose again, visibly bodily from the grave for my sins. Now if I will simply place my childlike faith in him, he said he'd save me. He said he'd come to me. He'd birth me into his family. I want to do that. That's my heart today. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.